everybody. Welcome back to Sales is King. Dan Sixsmith here. I'm your host of the podcast. Happy to be back. Where the heck have I been? It's been a couple of weeks. Been jamming on a lot of different fronts and um, really excited to be back uh, with a new episode of the podcast. And hopefully you've been out there on LinkedIn and Facebook checking out our daily tip of the day, Sales is King tip of the day video series where we go out there and just push out um, a thought for the day on how to sell more effectively. So hope everybody is doing well. Um, really happy that you have uh, tuned in and subscribed to our podcast. If you haven't, please do subscribe. Please do share it with your friends. If you find it valuable, please pop us up a review if you can, in a rating, because that's how we get a little more notoriety in the sea of podcasts on iTunes um, and Google Play and some of the other um, platforms. This particular podcast is recorded on Anchor, which is a really good, very easy to use um, podcast platform if anybody is thinking about going and doing their own podcast. And again, I'd encourage all of you to keep pushing out content Keep trying to establish yourself as a subject matter expert in whatever you do. Um, If you're a salesperson, if you're a marketer, personal brand is the key uh, going forward. It's going to ensure job security going forward, and it's going to establish you and set you apart from the others. So today's episode is um, talking about the four difference makers in B2B group buying dynamics. Um, A great new piece of research came out a few weeks back. We did a couple of videos on them from Gyro Marketing, a big B2B marketing firm, did some research of a large group of B2B buyers talking about the group dynamics and for those of us who have sold in B2B lately, uh, we know uh, that there are buying committees involved. We know that there are anywhere from three to four on the low side to nine or 10 or 11 different stakeholders in these B2B buying committees. So selling, as we've been preaching in this podcast, has gotten infinitely more complicated and complex and all the more reason why we have to be mindful of how we sell today the tools we use the strategies we deploy the tactics the follow-up there are so many components today to make a successful salesperson particularly in b2b uh, business arena so again a big hello to everybody out there Hope you're doing well, and I want to take you through some of the highlights of this research, and then um, we'll do a little commentary on some of the points that I think require um, a little more depth. So, um, you know, point number one, which is really interesting coming out of the box. um, So we know about these buying committees, right? But the research shows that 97% of B2B marketers say that the group members are likely to have a preferred vendor in mind before the purchase group is established. So think about that. Very noteworthy. So your prospect is is going to begin assembling a purchasing committee 
decision team, which is going to consist of many different stakeholders. But just about each and every one of them is going to come in with a preconceived notion on who they think the preferred vendor is going to be. So that tells me a couple of things. That tells me that we in sales today must be working closely with our marketing teams. We must be pushing out content. Um, and we must be uh, pervasive around the internet with our content. So when these individuals are thinking about a solution that we provide, we have to be top of mind. And I've said this many times before. So we have to be out there. We have to be um, very well known. We have to be pushing out content across all of the different channels because many of these committee members are going to prefer a different style of communication. They're going to prefer a typical channel of getting their information. And we know there are many different channels, right? So all the more reason why we in sales need to be pushing out content in all of the different channels so that we can maximize the number of people in that group dynamic that's going to come into the committee saying, hey, I think we should go with Dan Sixsmith's company. Uh, these guys do X, Y, Z, and I've seen a lot of great content coming from them, and I think that they should be someone that we go with. So that's number one, very important. Um, number two, not surprising, 84% of, in 84% of the cases, the group is going to contain um, an individual who's going to be the champion who's going to drive the process for the winning vendor. Um, and in 59% of the cases, the champion's opinions are cited as the biggest influence. So, you know, when we're going into these group decisions, um, number one, hopefully we'll, we will already have a champion from our fantastic content distribution process or from our relationship building. Um, but number two, we need to, when we get into these group meetings, we need to see who we can connect with that's going to be our champion. You know, who are we resonating with? Who seems to be, um, you know, uh, vibing with us on uh, our pitch? And, you know, the best way we do this is we try and connect with each and every one of those committee members and try to understand where they're coming from, what their angle is, what their pain point or initiative or objective is. The more people that we can um, establish a relationship with, um, the better. And when we talk about relationships today in sales, I don't mean backslapping and cocktailing and golfing and, you know, um, schmoozing. I mean, you know, high-level relationships where you have demonstrated that you care enough, that you've shown enough empathy about that prospect situation, um, and that you've delivered enough value that they want to have a relationship with you, um, and you're going to continue to bring value to the equation. So that's number two. Um, very good. Number three, these groups uh, more than two-thirds of the respondents in these groups are looking for thought leaders. 
okay? And we've heard this many, many times. And I put out an article. Um, I'll try and pop it back up again. Um, it was a great article that taught, was from 99 different leaders in business today, all defining what they thought a thought leader meant. So um, a, being a thought leader is very, very important. So you have to think about in sales today how you can become a thought leader. Think about what you're good at. Think about what you know, um, if it's your company's solution, um, you know, or some of the bigger problems that your companies uh, solve. You know, go out there with content um, and try to establish yourself as a thought leader. So when you get into these meetings, you know, you're going to have a track record um, of being a thought leader. You're going to establish yourself when you start to ask questions and you start to serve up some ideas um, that you're a thought leader. So very critical in the decision-making process. It's not just a nice-to-have today. It is an absolute requirement. Some of these things that we talked about years ago that were kind of like, hey, wouldn't it be great? You know, um, now it's a must. And when we think about what's going on with the uh, quota attainment situation, um, where those numbers have dropped dramatically, um, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that the sales game has shifted so dramatically and the requirements have changed so much that um, a lot of people are kind of left out in the cold and they're going with old school techniques and they're falling flat. Next, very important, groups want to feel understood. They want to feel understood. 89% want to feel when the vendor leaves, that they have been understood. Um, in addition, they want to be energized and excited by the prospect of working with the vendor. So do you go in there and do you listen? Do you ask the questions, but do you listen? Active listening. Or are you talking the whole time? Are you pitching the whole time? Are you talking over people? Are you not letting them finish a sentence? Are you just spewing out information, spewing out a pitch? That's not what is winning deals today. Listening and giving the impression that you understand them, but then also reinforcing that you can solve the issues is what is energizing the group. And when we use the word energizing, think about that word. How, you know, think about when you leave a sales meeting or a sales call, ask yourself the question, is that prospect energized? Did you energize the room? Or did they sit there like, you know, puppets and, and nod their heads? You know, who did most of the talking? Did you or did they? Then you'll know if you left the room Energize. You know how this feeling, this is like the greatest high in sales, right? You walk out of a great meeting, everybody's stoked. You know, that's what we're in it for. That's when you know you're on your way to success. So, very important. Next one. And here's one that's not so obvious. 83% um, are saying this that they're more likely to buy from a business whose culture and personality closely match that of their own business. Culture and personality and values. 
So when was the last time you went into a sales call thinking that you wanted to understand that prospect's culture, values, and personality? I think for the majority of us, it's a very small number that's saying, oh, yes, I did that, Dan. Um, So let's think about this. You know, emotion is such a huge component of the decision process. Um, So how do you energize? How do you connect up? You know, how do you vibe with the buying committee? Well, one way is going to certainly be understanding, first of all, researching before you go in, right? Um, These questions aren't off the cuff. You know, you're researching, and and you're going to go in there with a list of questions that you truly want to know the answers to. But, you know, you go in, um, and you want to know, you know, what their culture is, what their values are, how this potential project fits into that culture. You know, what type of group will they be to work with? What are they looking for in a vendor? You know, what type of personalities would work within your organization? Um... You know, what is, the, what is the company's culture, the prospect's culture? This is very, very important, very new as far as I'm concerned, and uh, an eye-opener to me. It's almost an aha kind of moment in reading this, and hope you guys think so also. Last one, and <clears throat> no surprise, um, don't go in there with an attitude. Um, you know, in sales today, there's a fine line between confidence and cockiness and what these uh, b2b buyers are saying is check the attitude at the door my friends we we don't mind confident people but we don't want cocky uh that's not going to work so these few openers to me are excellent um you know uh in setting the stage for you know how do we go about you know a complex b2b buying decisions um, how are we connecting with the champions, um, you know, and, and much of these um, data points that are in here. Um, so I'm just going through the report. There were a few other things that I wanted to highlight that I thought, and we did a video on this as well, that I thought were very important. And they called them the, the top difference makers um, in B2B today. Um, Let's see here. We're going through some of these. Um, 89% understand my needs, which we covered. 57% say we could work well together. Um, Yeah, and let me stop on that one for a minute. Um, You know, we've heard so much about customer experience um, being like the top driver today, right? Um, So let's think about that for a minute. When we're in there selling... And, you know, if it's just us, if we're leading a team, the prospect is using the meeting as a sampling of what they think the customer experience is going to be um, throughout. You know, what is it going to be like to work with our company? So if we go in there with an attitude or if we're just, you know, blathering along about ourselves, that's not a good customer experience. So when we're in their meeting, let's think about, you know, what sort of experience we're demonstrating currently and how that's leading to showing the prospect what it's going to be like to work with us. And then the last uh, one here that they have is 8% say, you know, um, 
I like a business partner that makes me feel important. Okay, well, that kind of goes without saying in sales today. Um, so let's go to these top three difference makers and, and kick these around a little bit because I thought these were really, really good and um, timely. So during the selection process, they asked these B2B buyers, what are the top three difference makers? What puts you um, over the top? Uh, what puts a vendor over the top when you're trying to make a group decision? And here we go. Number one, 54% said it is clear and frequent communications. Clear and frequent communications. So what does that mean? That means that throughout the process, you are following up as required with whatever materials they asked for. Um, you're continuing to stay in touch about the process, whether there are uh, new individuals you need to meet with, um, whether anything has changed on your side. But, you know, we keep coming back to this in our, in our communications that we're, we must always add value as a salesperson in our communications, even if they're email communications. Um, so it's a link to an article that's timely, um, either about what we spoke about in the meeting, what the, the prospect company was going through, about a particular um, you know, pain point or interest of one of the members of the buying committee. But we must stay top of mind. Uh, we must demonstrate interest because competition is fierce, um, so we must, we must show that we want the business, but our communications must be professional, they must be thought leader-like, and they must be value adds. 54% said that was number one. Number two at 51%, they preferred the vendor team and salespeople that were active listeners who ask good questions. And how, you know, how much have we been beating this drum um, from the get uh, in the Sales as King podcast? Active listeners who will ask good questions. Active listening, you can go back to many of our episodes, um, is becoming super, super critical. So active listening, paying attention, reiterating, asking follow-up questions, empathizing, nodding your head, body language, showing interest, taking notes, um, confirming, playing back, this is what I heard. Do you mind if I ask a follow-up question? Wow, that sounds interesting. Have you ever, you know, considered this? So active listening, the good questions. So your questions are going to come out of the prep work, but then your questions are also going to come out of um, thinking on your feet, being a subject matter expert, getting deep under the covers to what these issues and challenges are, why they're important, what's at stake, what happens if they don't solve the problem. You need to know as much as you can about the current state um, in order to be able to take that prospect on a path um, to get them to the future desired state. So excellent um, and no surprise, but very, very excited that that's number two at 51%. Number three at 43%. The salesperson or vendor um, team is willing to offer feedback 
and challenge ideas. 43% willing to offer feedback and challenge ideas. So this comes back to they're looking for subject matter expertise. They're looking for strategic advisors. They're looking for thought leaders. So are you going to just, you know, listen with one ear and then flip up the old trusty PowerPoint and start, you know, just trudging through the slides, which is unfortunately what a lot of us have done in the past. Um, that's not going to work. Um, so how do you offer feedback after you listen to the prospect challenges um, and initiatives? So how do you offer feedback? You know, you do that by being a subject matter expert. You do that um, by understanding the industry. You do that by understanding other companies in the industry. You do that by understanding your solution. You do that by being a student of the industry that you're in. Um, you do that by learning and reading um, and having a, a, a knowledge base. But then the second part of that is challenging ideas. So, you know, many of us have read The Challenger Sale. If you haven't, <clears throat> you know, uh, you definitely should. It's by Corporate Executive Board Matt Dixon. Um, very interesting book. And they talk about the value of being a challenger. So, you know, challenging the status quo. And we know today that many of the deals um, are being lost to what is being called um, no decision. And I, I did a whole... I did a whole video on that I think no decision is really, you know, bullshit. Um, <clears throat> you know, we shouldn't be using that term. I think salespeople are using it as a crutch. And I think really um, no decision to me means uh, it's a loss. You know, you didn't demonstrate enough value. They didn't buy. So it, it's not no decision, you know. Um, so, um, but anyway... So the challenger sale says that you need to go in and be able to challenge the current thinking because if you don't, um, there's a good chance that they're just going to keep doing what they're doing and that people are more likely to move away from a pain than to a gain. So if you're able to demonstrate that what they're doing today is ineffective, you know, and you do this in a very tactful way, but you're able to demonstrate that their current approach, if, they, if they're not aware of it, um, is actually very costly. Or it's not in line with what their competitors are doing. Um, or it's going to lead them, um, while it may have been successful today, um, it doesn't necessarily mean it is going to be successful tomorrow in the age of digital transformation. So, you know, you need to be able to lead the prospect lead these customers into um, the next phase of where they need to go and how they're going to be successful. And sometimes that means challenging their thinking. But if you've got data points that are there to back it up, if you've got success stories from other customers and experience, you know, this is something that you can do with a ton of confidence. So, you know, let's stop it there for, for this show. I, I thought it was really eye-opening. If you, if you don't, um, I'm going to see if I could pop this. I'm going to pop this link into the show notes. 
Um, it is from the Gyro Marketing Group. It's called Group-Mind-Set, and it's a download that talks about these group dynamics. And uh, I would highly recommend you take a look at it. And I think it's um, you know hugely relevant when we go out there and sell today, right? We need to know what the heck buyers are thinking, what they want, um, what dynamics are working. We did a show a few weeks ago about what sales winners are doing differently. We need to know this stuff, okay? Um, because it's hugely impactful when we go out and sell today. So listen, guys, you know, keep pushing forward. Uh, keep staying current on what's going on. Um, and leverage this new information the next time you're going into one of these group uh, decisions and think about all these things. And in the meantime, go out there, have a great week, happy selling, Dan signing off. Sales is king, baby. <laughs>